This episode of Fermented Adventure the Podcast features Ethan Smith. In this episode, we discuss the old Michter's Distillery in Pennsylvania. Please take a moment to subscribe to be notified when the most recent episode has been uploaded. Feel free to reach out to Ethan and let him know what you thought about the podcast. Cheers! Ladies and gentlemen, craft spirit enthusiasts, and those interested in the intoxicating world of craft distilleries, cideries, meaderies, wineries, and the occasional foray into breweries. It's Rich Shane, and welcome to Fermented Adventure, the podcast, where we bring you the fascinating people that are making the mash, fermenting, distilling, bottling, pouring, and delivering to you some of the finest libations in the world. Before we get started, here are a few housekeeping items. Thank you for bringing the podcast into wherever you are and whatever you're doing. We truly are grateful that you've chosen to listen and make us part of your day. It would mean the world to us if you left a five-star review. This helps us climb in the rankings and it makes it easier for others to find us. Don't hesitate to leave us your comments as well. If the podcast didn't meet your expectations, tell us why. We're always striving to improve. You can find us at fermentedadventure.com. We are on Instagram and Facebook as Fermented Adventure. Email us at fermentedadventure at gmail.com. All right, FA Nation, let's meet our guests. He's Ethan Smith. I'm Rich Shane. And we are here in Mannheim, Pennsylvania at what appears to be the Michter's Museum. Ethan Smith, welcome to the podcast. Hi. So, Ethan, I mean, is this the only Michter's Museum in existence right now? Uh, probably, at least of the Pennsylvania Michter's. I don't know what, uh, what the folks in Kentucky have, but I would say for the, for the Pennsylvania stuff, yes. Okay, we went on a tour. We've got, we've got stuff down in the basement. We've got stuff in the... Di- I mean, you've got Michter's stuff everywhere. How did all this get started for you? How did you become... Are, are you considered the Michter's Pennsylvania guru, aficionado... Does anybody know as much about Michter's as you do? That's a good question. I I would say no, but uh, Dick Stoll is still with us. So, okay. Um, Dick, of course, knows things that are amazing. Um, he since he was the distiller there, I've learned much of what I know from him. But I've met other people over the years um, who have also worked there or were familiar with what went on at Michter's. And I've learned a lot from them too, and and it's it's me basically compiling all of their experiences and all of their knowledge um, as to how I got started in this. Um, when I was a kid, my parents would often take me around to a lot of the historical sites uh, in the Susquehanna Valley here, which there are tons. Uh, the Susquehanna Valley is very history oriented. Um, our history goes way far back, hence. Of course, Michter's being the oldest operating distillery in the United States until it closed. Um, but one place I never got to was Michter's. And I remember seeing the brochures um, when you'd go into other touristy places. They always had these big racks. Of oh, brochures. yeah. The racks still exist, right? right yeah. Right, yeah. And, uh, and there was always this Michter's distillery brochure. And I was always like, oh, we haven't gone there. And I remember saying to my mom, we haven't gone there. And, oh, you don't, want, you don't want to go there. And it, it left my head. For years. I mean, this was when I was a small kid. And of course, Mictors closed in 1990. I was born in 1983, so I was seven, seven years, seven years old, old. And, and right. looking at the rack at five years old. Right. Hey, cool. We haven't yeah. been there yet. Right. They're, they're saying that's not for you quite yet. Right. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're not going to like that. You're going to go <laughs> and go, what is this? So I'm in an antique, an antique store of all places in Schaeferstown, um, and I see Mictors decanters. And it jogged my brain back to when I was five, six years old. And I'm like, Michter's, 
what happened to that place? And I went home, and I Googled it. And there so what year are we talking now that you went into the antique store? Oh, boy. That was 2008, 2009. Okay. So, so this has been a passion. This has been just, just a labor of love for you, for everything you've collected, all the information, all the knowledge you've gained. At this point, you're about – you're 12 years in, yeah. 13 years in to yeah. what you've really accomplished. You've, you've really ramped up as far as what you've been able to collect – Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, 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 you, you were telling me stories about Penn State decanters and prototype decanters. I mean, there's a lot of things you need to know. Yeah. So I was in the antique store and I'm looking around. I see these Mictors decanters. It, it jogs my memory. And I go home, I Google it, and there's like nothing out there. Nothing. Um, you know, there's mentions of it. There's a couple pictures of decanters. If somebody had a, a very basic list of decanters, you know, that might be out there. And that was it. And I went, okay, I want to find out more. I want to find out what Mictors was. And I remember vaguely as a kid too, around 1990 and, and thereafter when it shut down, uh, you know, you, you talked to Dick Stoll and he said, you know, Valentine's Day 1990, when they shut down, they literally walked away. They expected to come back a couple days later, a couple weeks later, whatever, with a new owner. And so they just walked away. Well, I remember seeing news stories, uh, the local TV station, WGAL. I remember seeing news stories on the, the evening news about vandalism at the Michter's distillery site, things like that. And, you know, they'd show broken windows, of course, on the news and stuff like that. Um, and I thought, you know, what was that place? And, and I didn't really understand a whole lot, even at that stage of my collecting, of even some of the things that I had found online about, you know, their, their products and decanters and this and that. So it was a huge learning curve, uh, at the beginning of it. Um, but then as I began to understand things, meet more people, hear more stories, uh, I, I, I talk about sometimes in my, in my blog posts, um, pieces to a puzzle. Um, and so those early days, I kind of like, it was me opening the box and everything's still in the bag. Um, where now, I have a lot more pieces to the puzzle and starting to make a lot of sense. Um, and Michter's is a very, for being such a small distillery, it was a very complex operation with a, an incredibly long history. So it started with decanters. I mean, at the time, I mean, there's, you have an amazing collection of other whiskeys, rye, bourbons, and things like that. Were you, were, you, were you a drinker at the time? Was that something that you enjoyed? How did you get into that too? Because... Okay, this it, is, it kind of follows the whole yeah, thread. Yeah. It's like is, pieces of the puzzle, as you said. Yes, this is this is a funny story, actually, kind of. Um, I, I, I don't have very good blood circulation. And uh, my doctor said, he said, you know, you have a couple options. He said, you know, we can, we can thin your blood, but th that comes with issues. Um, you know, we can give you other medication to dilate blood vessels, things like that, that have bad side effects. He goes, are you opposed to having a drink every day? Okay. And I'm like... No. And he goes, I got to be honest with you. And he goes, this sounds crazy coming from a doctor, but he goes, you know, two beers a day or a, like a small glass, a couple ounces of, of whiskey or something isn't going to be bad for you. It's just what the doctor ordered. It, I guess it is. There you go. I guess. So that's how you, that's how you became into whiskeys, rye, bourbons, things like that? Pretty by, much. By the, I, the doctor I, said, hey, I, this is what I would prescribe to you? I, I went to the, the state store and I... Grabbed a bottle of Evan Williams bourbon 
Okay. How did you pick Evan Williams? I'm just curious. Was it the the fancy packaging? How did you choose to pick Evan Evan Williams? Because he was the you know father of bourbon or something. Price. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, I I didn't know anything at that time. I gotcha. I, I I saw Jack Daniels. I grabbed a little mini of Jack Daniels too. Um, just because I had heard the yeah, name. Yeah, you know Jack Daniels. So I grabbed that, and I was like, and I and then I looked at the full size price of Jack Daniels on the shelf, and you know, cheap me at the time. I'm like, look, I don't know if I'm going to like this stuff. That's twenty five bucks. Hey, Evan Williams got a black label too. It must be similar. So I grabbed it because it was like at that time like twelve dollars or something like that, and uh, and I sat down and I poured like two ounces into a glass and sipped it and went. Well, this stuff's really nice. Oh, good. So your first so, reaction was you actually really enjoyed it. I did, yeah. It, it really didn't have to become an acquired taste for you. No, no. I, I Honestly, from my first sip, I, gosh, this sounds terrible. From my first sip, I was hooked. But no, um, no. from my first sip, I, I, I have always enjoyed uh, American whiskeys. So I, I, I'm sure there are a lot of uh, people out there that are now wanting to know the name of this doctor to get prescribed so they can tell their friends, family, whoever, right. to say, yeah, you know what, this is what I'm supposed to be drinking because it's good for my health. It, yeah, yeah. It was, it was kind of an off, <laughs> I think it was kind of an off-the-record thing, and he's like, look, man, you know, it was one of those kind of things. But uh, but no, I and I had other friends that when, when they were sick, they, you know, drink whiskey, and I had other friends that just enjoyed whiskey. And so when it was mentioned to me, yeah, well, and the other thing too is you know is, is beer has a lot more calories from what I understand than yep. whiskey does, and and you know, yeah, I don't feel bloated when I drink no, you know, whiskey at all. No, not at all. Um, and so you know, I, I went the whiskey route. I thought you know I'm not drinking as much, you know, and you know it's a couple ounces, you know, two or three ounces of, of whiskey instead of you know 24 ounces of beer or something like that. I was like, eh, you know, I'm gonna. I'm going to try the whiskey route. And sure enough, like I said, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I, I love the flavor of it. I do. So you go back to the idea of, of becoming more interested in Michter's. Mm-hmm. And, and you were interested in some of these decanters and maybe some of the history. What was your first visit like to the distillery? The The first visit was, was really, it was wild. Um, the owner at that time was a guy named Dwight Hostetter. Um and this was what year? What year did you go to visit the distillery? Boy, 20, 2010. Probably. Okay. Like this was like maybe like a year after I got into it. Because of course I'm in that I'm in that mode where I'm just like trying to fit as many. Yeah, you're voracious now. You want to right. know everything. Yeah, and, and so I came across um, some photos on 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 Google uh, that a guy had taken a few years prior. Uh, Chris Carlson was his name. Um, and I contacted him and he goes, Oh, sure, I have his information. And uh, I think it was Chris that provided me with, with uh, Dwight's information 10 years ago. It's hard to remember. But, um, but uh, so I cold call, I cold call uh, Dwight, and he definitely was standoffish about it. He's like, well, what do you what do?" Yeah, you because mean? I'm sure a lot of people are approaching him or yeah. you know, he'll get these calls for people that may right. just want to try to find out if there's still something there. Yeah. Right? Right. And at that time, I happened to be unemployed. Because uh, of the economic downturn that occurred in 08, 09. Um I meet up with him up at the distillery, and it's it's amazing. It's it's because now over the years things were stolen, things were vandalized, and and things deteriorated. Um, in the mid nineties, there was a, a public sale where a lot of things were sold off, but it was still pretty complete as a distillery. Um, the the column still, the the pot still. 
Um, everything was there. Now, what was gone, the, the, the small pot still set up that a lot of the, that the tourists saw in the still house. Now, that had been sold off um, to, to the beams in Kentucky. Um, but uh, it was really neat going in, going in the, the warehouses that hadn't collapsed, uh, going in there, looking at, the, at you know, the old wooden structures where all the barrels were, the racks, um, and you know, going through the old bottling era, area, everything. It was, it was really something. Um, and because I was unemployed, Dwight needed to do some work on the property. So, um, he's, I said, Hey, you know, I'd be happy to, I, I got all the time. Like just cut the lawn right and just right. kind of maintain some of the yeah, buildings that were still in some, some decent shape. Right. I said, I, I've got all the time in the world. I said, you know, I, you know, I'm not like a, like a carpenter or anything like that, but I said, I can certainly help you clean up. Um, some of the buildings had fallen over and the township was on about getting the blocks, you know, the blocks secured that had tumbled out in the farm field and things like that. So I spent days up there just stacking blocks on pallets, just cleaning up, cutting brush, um, running a little bobcat skid loader. Uh, and I enjoyed every minute of it because I was at Mictors and, and I was, I was doing something. You know, everybody, everybody likes to talk about history um, and saving history. I wanted to try my darndest to be a part of saving Mectors. What was the thought process there that, you know, that he was going to reopen it or just start to do something with it? He, he wasn't sure. Because uh, at this time, he doesn't necessarily own the name Mictors right, or right. The, the juice or anything that you could put in a bottle. Right. So what was his thought at the time? He, he was a woodworker. And he had this, he had an idea of possibly running out the distilling portion of it to another distiller. And then he would use his, uh, he would use the other, like one of the warehouses, extra warehouses as, a, as like a wood shop or something like okay. that. Never really materialized. His health went on, went on a downward turn. Um, so unfortunately he ended up selling the property. Um, the people that he sold the property to, um, bulldozed a lot of the unsafe buildings. Um, but the buildings that do remain now, um, received exterior cleanups and they actually look really nice now. And what's their, I mean, I, again, I'm not familiar with what their specific plan is. Do you have any idea of what their ideas that might be for the property or, or from what I, from what I heard and I don't, I, this is from what yeah, I Yeah, this heard, is all I, hearsay, right? Right. But the, um, the still house, I guess they run out or they will use for, um, events and things like that occasionally. I, I don't know if it's public. I don't know if it's just family, but uh, but I, I, I've heard people say that, that occasionally the still house is used, which is one of the remaining buildings. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, the site's kept up nicely now. It's it's unfortunate that they did take down probably two thirds to three quarters of the buildings, but they were also in pretty bad shape, so there wasn't much salvaging, you know, them. When did this become? We we talked about you're you're saving history. You are a steward for Michter's Pennsylvania and some of the consigning uh, products that Michter's made as well. Right. When did it become like this passion? I and mean, when did you know this was it for you? I mean, this takes up, uh, you know, if you look at your house, it takes up almost a third of your, of your house. Right, right. When did you know? What was that first thing? Because like, I, 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 it's like you said, you, 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 unpeel, you peel the onion and you get the different layers. And there must have been something that clicked for you. If I had to pick, if I had to, that's a great question. If I had to pick a spot where it really jumped into high gear for me, it was probably when I cold called Dick Stoll. 
because I then met. So you you hadn't met him before. I had not. How did you know to call him? What was that process like? I looked him up in the phone book. Okay, and, and, and sure enough, Dick was in the phone book. He, he in fact, <laughs> was in the. He in fact, was Mr. Stoll was in the eleven phone book. But uh, and and uh, I'm thinking somebody did give me. His, oh man, I forget who it was anymore. But somebody did give me his phone number too, so it did just confirm that I'd found the right guy. Right, it wasn't like calling some other Dick Stoll. Um, but uh, I called him. I talked to him on the phone, and I said, would you want to meet me at the distillery? And he's like, I've been down there for years, sure. You know, so. Because that's just, I mean, he was a guest on our podcast when we did the Rose and Rye right, event, and right. that's just his attitude. Oh, yeah. If you want to talk, you know, Michter's whiskey, and you want to sit down, I think he'll do that. Yeah. So so we met with, with uh, um, Dwight's permission. We met at the distillery, um, and Dick and I met there. And I said to him, I, I had a tablet with me. I said, you know what? Walk me around the distillery. And I said, just from where the grain arrives to where the where the bottles exit, you know, tell me what you know. And it was unbelievable. And, and it was me standing there staring at this guy going, holy cow, this is the guy. Mm-hmm. This is the guy that made it. Mictors. And... I mean, basically, after Everett Beam left and he became master distiller, he's the guy that's responsible for keeping it going as long as it did. I mean, honestly, there were there were other employees, but I mean, if there was no Dick, would there have been Mictors for in to until nineteen ninety? Right. He had his hands in so much, and oh, yeah. he had so much knowledge of the process. Sure. And I don't think there was probably anybody there that would have been able to take his place at the time. Mm-hmm. There was, there's really nobody ever that really learned what he knew. Right, right, right. And 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 it became. I think at that point it became real for me because suddenly I had a person that was there that worked there, and we were there. You know, and, yeah. You and now was, had the connection to. You had the building, and you had the heart and soul. Of what went on in the building, right? And and he, you know, and to see how enthusiastic and how positively he talked about his time at Mictors, I was like, nah, this place is not going to get forgotten. No, it's and I kind of, I kind of made it like I resolved that I was like, this is my goal now. Mictors will live on. You know, I, yeah, it, it may be a brand in Kentucky now, but the original Mictors from Schaeferstown, Pennsylvania, I'm going to do my darndest to make it live on. What's the ultimate plan and goal for what you've collected, what you, the resources, the information that you know? Is there, is there a grander, bigger process for you, or is there something that you'd like to see this grow into? For me, it's just about, it's about answering questions, educating people, um, with Mictors being so historical um, and being the last Pennsylvania distillery that survived that was from the quote-unquote original bunch. Of course, now there are many Pennsylvania distillers again. Right. Um, but from being the original guys, you know, it, it, that it's an, it, for me, it's, it's, a, it's an opportunity to educate. Um, that anything that I know, I will gladly tell people. Um, there are very few things that, that, that would be of any kind of secret. Um, and, you know, I, I, like to, I like to say, too, to people, when I, when I get Michter's items, decanters, whatever I have, um, with me it's safe. You know, I, I'm not going to 
I'm not going to destroy it, damage it, you know, anything like that. When when I receive an item, whether I purchase it from eBay, from an old employee, um, somebody, you know, on Craigslist or whatever, um, you know, I keep it in its original condition because it tells a story. Um, recently, I got some um, barrel stencils and a couple people said, well, you know, hey, you should make some barrel heads. And I, and I seriously considered it. Used to actually spray spraying them, and I thought, you know what though, the paint that's left on those. Right, that's the last paint is the that paint was done right. when those barrel heads were right produced. Right, right. I would ruin I would ruin the originality of it. And each piece each piece of my collection tells a story, some type of story. And and doing anything to it, changing it, ruins that story. And you know it. It would take a lot for me to sell anything out of my collection because I like that. I like the, the continuity of my collection and having a, a reference. Um, just last night, guy posted up on a whiskey group, got gifted a uh, Pennsylvania football, that one there on the shelf. Um, and he said, does anybody know anything about it? So I gave him the year, um, told, talked about the series that, yeah, there's a whole series of the footballs. Um, a little bit of background information on it. He's like, wow, that's great. Thanks. You know, and that's what I love doing. When yeah, imparting your knowledge, imparting everything you learned and, and giving people a sense of what they have. Right. Because as we talked, I mean, you'll find these things, they'll show up and people have no idea what the value is. Mm -hmm. Now, it may not mean anything to them or have any value. You know, those stencils could have been the same way. And I right. came across these stencils. Somebody had them in a garage, thought, eh, maybe they have, I can sell them. Right. Or maybe I, you know, the, what can I do with them? Right. But now you understand the full importance of what they are. Right. And I, I'm not. I'm not here to hoard anything. You know, I'm not. I'm not hoarding information. I'm not buying this stuff so no one else can have it per se. I just, if I have it, it's the information is available to anyone. Um, I, I've had people even ask me for pictures, um, and I'll come down here and pull the decanter off the shelf or. Even if they need, uh, if someone wants information um, in some of my paper files, you know, I'll I'll scan the I'll scan the sheet of paper for them and send the scan to them. You know, it's I have no problem doing that. So, do you have a desire, Ethan, to open up like a museum where people can come and see all this directly, or do you want to do it online? What there must be some thoughts that you have. There, there's been some discussion, as you know, that you know, I I, I work with the folks over over at Stolen Wolf, right? Um, and uh, We've had discussion about displaying various things over there. One of the hardest parts is, is of course, the, the modern-day Mictors, because the name is still active, technically, um, that I don't know what kind of legal ramifications there would be if I if I were to create some kind of specific Mictors. Right, because now they're, now they're talking about, hey, this is our brand. Right. You can't necessarily profit from our brand. Right. But I think the converse... Uh, look... I, this is the first time I've gotten to see it. We met at the Rose and Rye uh, at Stolen Wolf the, mm -hmm. when they distilled Rose and Rye. And, yep. um, you know, I, I was taken by all the information you had, some of the pieces that you brought. And just I sensed your passion then. But seeing it with you now together here, there's a huge amount of energy that you impart of, of, of pride and love. And, and, and I really understand the, the value to you about keeping the story alive, the living history and and it's 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 a you know it's a tribute to your your parents to what they did and how they 
imparted that love of history to you. Yeah. You know, my grandparents did the same thing for me, that they really introduced history at a very young age. And I think that's, that's, a, that's a wonderful gift to you. But on the other hand, really what you're doing is you're still telling the story of Michter's in a way that I don't, I don't think it infringes on what their brand is today. I would, I would hope not, and 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 I don't, I don't look to do that either. No, I, I don't think you want to ever do that. No, no, it, it's this is the original Michter's. It, it's the, the Michter's Pennsylvania, um, and it doesn't, I, I, it doesn't diminish anything that they do in Kentucky. I, you know, the Michter's in Kentucky, they make great stuff. In fact, the pot stills that were in um, the the still house that that, uh, that, I, that I said about earlier that the, the tourists often saw, um, Michter's has those now, and they're using them um, in Louisville, Kentucky, um, in their what is it, the Fort Nelson? Okay, I, like that. I, uh, the, the Michter's they're in, in Louisville. You're the researcher. But yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah I'll, like, once once we get into the modern <laughs> Michter's things, it kind of gets out of my wheelhouse. Okay, but but, uh, but no, uh, they they have those stills. Um, they they were stored for years um, in Bardstown, I think, and then um, Tom Herbrook out in Ohio, Tom's Fullery Distillery, he did a, if not a full, at least a partial restoration on the stills, um, and was distilling bourbon and rye on them. Dick had actually gone out there, helped him get them going and everything, which was really cool. Um, but then uh, Michter's ended up purchasing them, and now they're in Kentucky, and the modern-day Michter's is using them. So that's that's cool, you know, that a, a Michter's is still using the Michter's stills. So what it's like, what's it like now for you to come across something? You mentioned to me that you've got uh, alerts going um, on, on auction sites. What's it like when you, you come across something that you don't have yet or you know has, you know, a, a real great significance when you it's, see that happen? It's... Like it's amazing because I I always feel like I've I, I've learned almost everything and then I find how out how wrong I am. <laughs> okay, we uh, can always learn something. Sure, right? Uh, a, a great example. Um, again, um, off of off of eBay, um, there were some labels, some whiskey labels that were posted up for bottles, and I honestly didn't think they existed. Um, early Michter's advertising showed um, like like pen and ink drawings of these glass bottles with this brown round label on it. And I've never, ever seen any other information on them. I've never seen pictures of them, nothing. Um, the Back in the 1970s when Michter's released a, uh, a decanter list for their collectors, they had the glass bottles on there. This was not on there. And all of a sudden, these labels show up on eBay, and I'm like, whoa. So, in fact, I think my most recent blog post is on those labels. And let everybody know the blog post. It's uh, my, my blog is, is the Ethan Smith blog. It's all one word. Um, I'm sure if you even just Google, like, Michter's Ethan or anything like that, or it, you can Google Michter's decanter list. I, I think I'm the first result on Google. Okay. Um, I, I put a lot of things on there. I put stories, photos. Uh, a lot of information that I've learned, uh, things that I think that, that, that people would be interested in, I put on there. Occasionally, I'll mix other, th- uh, <clears throat> other things in. I'll put in uh, things like with Continental Distillery um, uh, down towards Philly. 
uh, which is another gigantic distillery um, that closed around the same time, a little before Mictors did. Um, but that's that's shout out to uh, Dave Ziegler there. That's uh, that's his big thing. Dave Dave worked there. Um, he got me into it. Um, but and then I do I'll occasionally do like some tastings. I haven't done them for a while, like reviews. I'm not really that great at reviews. I'm just like tastes like whiskey. Okay, but, but you <laughs> no. like what you like. Yeah, but no, no, I no, I'm better than that. But um, but yeah, I'll, I'll occasionally mix other things in with it. But I try to keep it centered on mixers most as much as I can. So, but you, you were talking about like when you come across something mm-hmm. and and it really gets your excitement level going. Yeah, and you're finding those things now. I mean, talk about some of the significant stories of some things you found that, that really had that experience for you. Well, those, those labels, certainly. That yep. was, I was really shocked to see those. Um, the barrel stencils, um, those were my two most recent large purchases into the collection. Um, it was amazing seeing them. Uh, the, I had always dreamed of having the barrel stencils. Um, the gold, my gold mixers pot still, the number one pot still. Um, and that's the decanter you showed me. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That they were only sold for one weekend um, in 1980 when it became a National Historic Landmark. They were they were labeled actually zero through 2,500. Now, number zero was given or was, was auctioned off. Uh, Carlos Leffler, who owned uh, an oil and gas company, um, he ended up purchasing the, the number zero. And it went for like, it was like $5,000. It was like outrageous. But the actual then public sale one started with number one. Number one was purchased um, by Tony Sec of Tony's Mining Company, which was a restaurant in Cornwall, PA. Very fancy restaurant. Tony was a Michter's fanatic. And I, I would have loved to have met the guy, but he, I guess he passed away many years ago. Um, but he, he actually stayed overnight in a lawn chair outside the distillery waiting for that, waiting for that number one pot still he got it and they actually in the mictors collector society newsletter they actually even have a picture of him holding it and and a little story about how he waited overnight and everything and i was astonished to find it and now i have his number one yeah number one i think i have number 36 or something in the living room too but yeah so yeah i have that um you know just even finding Odd stuff that's not necessarily decanters. Finding uh, with the King Tut. Right. We talked series. about that when King Tut was big in the United yeah. States and it was coming around and making its way. Yeah. Mictors cashed in big time. And that's, and now, and honestly, it seems that's how most people know Mictors. They go, oh, that's that distillery that made all that King Tut stuff. Right. Well, they, of course, they made all the decanters in multiple sizes and, you know, they made buttons and I think possibly shirts. I know they made posters because I have the posters. Um, but they also made these necklaces, these, these like gaudy 1970s gold, you know, King Tut necklaces look kind of cool. And this was years ago. I see a Queen Nefertiti gold necklace that someone has labeled as Mictors on eBay again. And, uh, I was like, they never made a Nefertiti necklace. So I contacted the guy and I said, why are you advertising this as Mictors? And it certainly looks like the Nefertiti decanter. I mean, it looks just like it. And he said, well, my dad, I think it was his dad, I believe it was his dad, made the King Tut. He was the one that designed the necklace. It. Right. He was the, he was the necklace designer. And um, 
he said, well, Michter's wanted to do a Nefertiti one, so he made him one, and they went, eh, forget it. So this is the only one. And I'm like, no way. So he knew enough about Michter's and was able to basically give me information that I was like, this is legit. Yeah, this is absolutely 100% legit. This is not a coincidence. This isn't. So I, I purchased it. And as far as I know, I have the, the only one. But, uh, you know, and, and, it's, and it's interesting. Michter's stuff sometimes pops up where you least expect it. Okay. I was at an antique store in uh, down in Columbia, along the river here. Um, and I walk in, and there's a little wooden sign that just says Tours. And I immediately recognized it. The font, and the it was hand painted. The font, the 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 colors, everything. It was it was a Michter's Tours sign. Back, um, if if you look at old photos of Michter's, they had literally Tours signs with little arrows everywhere, even on the buildings. So that way, everybody knew where to go. They kind of like they funneled you right to that that uh, that jug house, and I, I immediately recognized it as one of those signs. And they had like eight bucks on it or something like that. Well, I took it right over the register and bought it. But I, I, I couldn't believe it. It was, and, and that was the first Michter sign that I'd ever found, like anywhere. And so I was very excited by by that to find that. So, and I've been in I've been in antique stores like in upstate New York, and there's Michter's. And things show up. And there's Michter's decanter. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times you run into common stuff, but it's still it's just interesting to see where it pops up. So mm-hmm. obviously, you were collecting memorabilia. Mm-hmm. And you also had a lot of information and things. When did you first have Michter's bourbon? When did I actually f- first drink the whiskey? Yeah. Oh, boy, when was that? I mean, when, I know when it was. you're collecting all this stuff. When yeah. was the first time you had the whiskey? It was probably actually probably like two or three years into it. Um, I bought a, a Michter's peace candle. Um, up in Easton, Pennsylvania, every year for Christmas, they, they, they put up this huge candle. Okay. And Michter's did a, a decanter of it, which is actually, for a ceramic decanter, pretty accurate. Um, and I bought it, and I, I forget where I even bought it. I, I don't even remember where I bought it. It was, like a, it was I think it was an antique shop again or something like that. And I get it home, and I realize it's sloshing inside. Was, so- and I was like, oh... Oh no! So <laughs> you 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 purchased alcohol. Yeah, I was like, I was like, oh no! So so I'm like, oh, do I open it? Because because the tax seal hadn't been broken. I'm like, oh, do I open it? I'm like, you know what? I am opening this because I need to know what this stuff tastes like. Now, now I guess my question is right now. You started yeah. in about 08, 09, mm-hmm. being a collector of Michter's decanters and things like that. Yeah. What's the year now that you purchased this um, other decanter? Oh, it was probably 2011, 2012. So three, four years. I didn't know what it tasted you like. You never knew what it tasted like. Stuff you just be... you just loved the romance of the distillery yeah. and everything else. Stuff could have been awful, and I'm out there like, <laughs> man, this stuff's great. But uh, no, um, no. So I so I get this home. So I, you met with Dick at the distillery, and he didn't even give you a taste. He didn't have any. He didn't have any. No, no. He, he claims. He claims. Okay. <laughs> so I won't give up any secrets. But Got but it. no, um, but no. Um, I get home with this thing, open it, and I open it up, and I pour a little bit out. And of course, decanters are a horrible way to store whiskey long term. Corks go bad. The, the The ceramic is porous. A lot of the Victor's decanters that I found over the years that I do end up opening for one reason or another, the whiskey's bad. 
I don't want to say they're all bad because some of them, it's amazing. Um, but uh, this Peace Candle was amazing. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So the well, that's great. They had great. they had good whiskey mm-hmm. in the in, in the in the lasted in the ceramic decanter, yep. and and you enjoyed what you had. Oh yeah, I sat down, had a sip of it, and went, "Well, this ruins all all other whiskeys now." Okay. So, so yeah, it was it was an experience. Now you poured us some original. I do. I Michter's Pennsylvania. How do you come across that? How are you finding that? Is it just in the old decanters or old bottles and people collecting and they're just selling? How are you coming across that? Because we're talking at this point, you know, we're talking 30 years ago. Yeah. A lot of times it's... Just finding old dusties and... Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there are, of course, legal ramifications with buying and selling whiskey. Oftentimes, contents tend to be incidental. People literally don't know what they're selling. Um, I've, I purchased full decanters at auction already. Um, in fact, the one time I purchased some up in Lebanon and I was driving home and, uh, had to hit the brakes and, uh, oh, yeah. just- one of the, <laughs> one of the corks cracked on one of the decanters and I'm driving down the highway and all of a sudden like I smell whiskey and I don't mean like just in essence, like I smell like, I smell like a whiskey barrel driving down the highway and I'm like, oh man, if I get pulled over. I'm I'm gonna be in trouble. Yeah, now you got an open decanter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, open yeah container. now I have an open container. I have like a bunch of open containers. So I was like, oh crap. But uh but yeah, it's it, again, they show up at odd places. Now this has been open for about a half an hour now. Yes. And it's really you kind of get the nose of this as, oh, it's, as yeah. we're talking. Yeah, you don't even have to be near it to smell. No, you really don't. And I, I would see it's about a, a foot and a half away from me. Right. Um so so your first experience was just this one ceramic, and you really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, you've, you've obviously was this before you were prescribed, or you know the doctor said start this drinking was, this whiskey. After this is yeah, this yeah, is this, this well after. So yeah, but yeah, it's it's. A, so I can tell you, I've never had Pennsylvania mixers oh, okay. before. Well, so this is this is a enjoy. treat for me. Thank yeah. you, thank you. I hate using the word smooth. I know, so do I. But but it is. It's smooth. It is. Yeah, it's not. And, I hate to say it. I don't know what the proof is. So 86. 86. So you yeah. really don't get a lot of ethanol there. Right. Um, you really get the corn that comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a rye content there, mm-hmm. the burn of the rye. So you're not getting the burn of the ethanol. You're getting the burn of the rye. Right. How well, else do you – how else do you – when people say, hey, you've, you've had the Michter's PA, what is that – how do you describe it? Uh, I – to simplify it for, for people, uh, one of the one of the – Whiskies that I think that tastes a lot like the original Michter's is honestly Old Forester 86. It's now that's of course an actual bourbon where where Michter's is not a bourbon nor a rye because it's disqualified on the grounds of mash bill and also uh, some Michter's was aged in reused barrels too. Uh, most of it was made, aged in new barrels. But, okay, but but you never know what it could be, right? Right. So by that point, it, so and it, you will get variants. You you'll find you'll find that there are some. Some uh, you know batches of mixers that you get. You'll open up a decanter and you're like, "Wow, this almost tastes like a like a real dry bourbon." And then the next one, you're like, "Well, this almost tastes like more ryeish." And I, I've noticed that with some of the different ones that I've opened. Um, but there's still that overwhelming similarity. This is a treat. Thank you. Mm-hmm. It really is. And 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 to be able to talk about the history of mixers while drinking original mixers. This is just something you just want to sit around and talk about all the time. Yeah. Are, are there, and I can see why you love it, yeah. especially being where you are here. Um, yeah. 
So are there things that you haven't come across? Are there things on your, like, uh, Michter's bucket list that you'd love to come across that you hope someday somebody will sell or you'll find? Oh, absolutely. What are some of those things? There are signs out there that I don't have that I would love to come across Michter's signs. Of course, I've, you know, like I said, I've found a couple here and there. But uh, there are even, even things that I know back in the mid-'90s that were sold off during those auctions – the, the, the public auctions that occurred at the distillery. I, I'd love to find some of that stuff um, if it still exists. I mean, I, I'd, I'd love to find the bottle, the actual bottles, that, that those round labels that I talked about um, that I found recently. I'd love to find those bottles. I don't have one of those in my collection. Um, there, are some, there are some real oddball decanters out there. Um, I'm trying to work a deal with somebody right now uh, on on a certain decanter, um, it was it was made for a car show, um, and now it was a normal it was a normal Michter's decanter, but they had slapped special stickers on it. At, uh, so they changed the labeling. They did. They did to, <clears throat> specifically to for this car show. Uh, yeah, I'd love to have it. I'd love to add it to the collection. So there's and like I said, I'm I'm always learning and I'm always shocked by all of a sudden something shows up. Is there something more recently that you learned that has that shock value to you that you you just were really amazed or just really the hair in the back of your head stood up? Boy, that's a good question. I had recently found online a uh, a clip from, I think it was Lebanon Daily News from back in the 1970s uh, about Michter's. And it had a very good history of the distillery on it. And one thing that they noted, and Michter slapped 1753 on everything. That was what they touts in 1753, you know, things like that. Um, This article, I think it said something about 1729. Okay. And I'm like, okay, that's not consistent with everything that I've ever seen. And the article is a little bit, I don't want to say it's poorly written. That's not true, but it's it it's a little bit vague, and and I and I think it's and I'm not blaming the facts are there, but the construction of how the yeah, facts are presented yeah. just and, seems and a I'm little not, bit. And I'm not blaming the reporter because um, I think it, it was the information that the reporter was given and the way that they were interpreting it and trying to write it out. Okay, um, but it, it was it was just odd that, that this all of a sudden this it was like I think it was seventeen it was like seventeen twenty six or seventeen twenty nine. All of a sudden shows up, and I'm like, "What the heck is this?" You know, and and they said, it said something about that. That was when they began distilling, but then it it goes on in another paragraph, and it says they started distilling in 1753, and I'm like, uh, "Okay." So I don't know if that means they settled that. If they were trying to say that they that the family that the, the I think I believe it was the Shank family settled that land in 1729 and then began distilling in 1753, or if it was a home distilling yeah, and then operation, they became then they became a, and then a, they a, began a business right a business in 1753. I I, I kind of get that that may have been what they were getting at was it was a home agriculture yeah, and as everybody thing. did they had right. they, they made cider they made right. whiskey yeah, they distilled it, things right. So uh, that just kind of that that totally just you know threw me for a loop. I was like, oh okay, because everything that I'd ever seen was 1753. I mean, you read the history, 
you know, I have, I have the original script from, from the tours, uh, for the, the tour guides would do 1753, you know, everything's 1753. So you could actually give the tour now. I could. I could, yes. <laughs> of course, I'd be pointing at a lot of uh, empty Things fields there, now. Right. But yeah. yeah, over there. Yeah. But yeah, I could. Yeah, it's, I have the information. So, I mean, you started out collecting some decanters. You, you really fell in love with the history of Michter's. And is there is there a connection to just American whiskey and bourbon? I mean, do you, do you feel the same connection? Do you, do you, do you have that same um, desire, passion to learn about the history of uh, American whiskey? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's it's you know what we what we know now is you know bourbon and rye, American whiskey. It's it just it just bleeds America. Um, it, it's an American thing. It's 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 like you know baseball and apple pie to me. And everybody goes, well, whiskey, you know, started over in, in Scotland and, you know, in Europe, things like that. And I understand that and I recognize that. But we've taken it, changed it, and made it our own. And and it's just so, to me, American whiskey is just, it's one of those American things. You know, it's it's like owning a, owning a Ford Mustang and, you know, driving off into the country. You know, it's just, it's one of those, you know, it's one of those things. I, I just, I love the history of it. I, I love even the even the science of it that, that I've that I've learned through this. Yeah, because what has happened for you now is it's you've you've almost completed the circle in a way where you've you've had experiences working at Stolen Wolf, right? And you've done the whole distillation and working alongside Dick Stoll and the Wolf family and everything else, right? And completing the circle for you that's that's just got to be you know you, hey pinch me right? right? Oh, it's it's yeah. It, Working on that still, and, and that day when we did the Rose and Rye, being able to be involved with that, helping to run the equipment, being part of that team, and that day was was fantastic. You know, having Dick Stoll there and being part of the first distillation of Rose and Rye in Pennsylvania in decades was just, it was awesome. And of course, the last time Rose and Rye was distilled was by Dick Stoll at Michter's. So... It was, it was, it was history coming full circle. And now you get to open up the place, you know, and, and, and I, I realize that we're still in that, in the midst of COVID. Oh, yes. And, you know, at some point you, you'll get back over there and, but you get to, you get to walk in and you get to fire up the still and take care of the fermentation. Mm-hmm. And it's got to be just almost like just, just living this amazing, you know, dream that you never knew you had, mm-hmm. but now that you get to, to enjoy it and do it, it's got to be just such an, a, a fabulous experience. We, Eric, Eric Wolf and I sometimes joke, we talk about distilling being like 90% janitorial and like 10% <laughs> distilling because, and, and, and it's things you never realize until you actually do it. Um, you know, I, it's kind of like, you, you know, you, you watch videos online, you know, of, of distillery tours, things like that. And it's like, wow, this is really cool. And, you know, this and that and the other thing. And then you actually do it. And it's still really cool, but it's a lot different than you think. No, it's hard work. And oh it's, not, it's not the it's, romance of just... It's hot. It's, it's, it's very hot because, yeah. of course, you have a still that is, you know, 200 degrees, you know, right next to you. And, you know, you have all the plumbing and, you know... Other things like that. Even when you're fermenting, you're, you're cooking your grain. It's you have over at Stolen Wolf. It's a 500 gallon cooker, so you have 500 gallons of mass that's hot in a small area. So 
it gets even in the winter time. I mean, this this past winter when we were mashing or distilling, the windows are steamed up. We're in there in t-shirts with the door open, and it's twenty degrees outside. Yeah, so it, it's it's labor intensive. It, it is, you know, rolling barrels around. Fifty-five gallon barrels of uh, of whiskey are not light. <laughs> it's it's just got to be. I I, I I I I getting to know you. Yeah. And seeing now this in person and hearing the story, um, it, it's been a treat. It really has. And and like I said, when I first met you, I could I could feel that energy from you about how you really enjoy all of this. And now I get to see it in person. Um, it, it's just been, it's just been fun. Are there, is there something there that we haven't talked about, you know, Michter's or, or your story that, that you wanted to share? That's a good question. Uh, the only thing that I, the only thing that I could really add is if, if anyone has any questions, if they want any information about Michter's, if you're even curious about it, hit me up on my blog by all means. I, I, you know, I'll respond. Um, you know, my, my email address can be found on there. Um, yeah. Hit me I, I think what you want to do is, Hey, listen, I'm going to keep the story going. I'm going to keep the history going. Yeah. Um, you're, you're accessible. Yeah. And if, and if like you, you told me the story about the two Penn state decanters and yeah. if anybody wants to know the story there or anybody wants to know what's going on, you're, you're available and you want to mm-hmm. share it with whoever, Absolutely. whoever's available. Yeah. Uh, I, I like I said, I'm grateful. This has been a treat. I, I know we've been working on this for months, and yeah. with 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 the whole COVID thing, and where can we do this? Um, but, but seeing your own living museum, um, I'm just grateful. And uh, here, here, cheers to you, Ethan, and all the work you're doing. And uh, I look forward to continuing our our experience together. That sounds great. Thank you. You got it.